On this week's episode of Carolina Sports Talk, we've got NFL kickoff of week one. We've got a big trade in the NBA, some HBCU football, and so much more. Let's go! Another all-new episode of Carolina Sports Talk starts now. Can y'all feel that? Can you feel that thing that's oozing out your doggone hands? That thing is beating your doggone chest right now. Welcome back. Welcome back to another episode of Carolina Sports Talk. As always, thank you for tuning in on your favorite podcast app. Next time, tell your smart speaker, play Carolina Sports Talk. You can hit us up on Facebook or Instagram at Carolina Sports Talk. Or to be a part of the show, you can also hit us up on the Carolina Sports Talk line, cliff at carolinasportstalk.net. Lastly, join us on the Facebook page where the discussions are going daily. Carolina Sports Talk talks back. Man, oh man, oh man, it's been a long time, a whole week, and we are excited to be back with you. As always, I got my main man and yours, DJ Highstar. What's goody, bro? Yo, yo. What's good with the bros? How you been, bro? Cooling, cooling. Uh, chilling this past weekend, holiday weekend, um, tailgating out in, uh, tailgating in Charlotte. The classic. But uh, saw a lot of bros out there. Okay, had a good time, man. Yeah, definitely. Always, you know. Just a message to the bros, man. You know, when you're out, you gotta make sure you're advertising yourself. You know what I mean? And uh, running from it will not save you. I mean, <laughs> Patriot Patty was with me, and uh, our homie um, Audience Asia was with me as well. Audience and, uh, Asia, you know, I love it. Let's never get had it. an issue. I love it, bro. That's what's up, man. Well, uh, I know how that goes though? Me sanctioned already. Yeah, you. Yeah, it'd be like that though. I'm, I'm sure y'all, you know, nonetheless was able to do what you do and make it, make it, make it like it's supposed to be, man. I um had a had an interesting weekend this weekend. You know, as uh, as you kind of let the fans know, I had the opportunity to um, announce my first game at the Benedict College. Uh, Carolina Classic this past weekend, man. Uh, great experience. Uh, good football game. We'll talk about both of those games in a little bit. But, uh, uh, dog, you and I have talked about it. But uh, your boy bombed, bro. Uh, I, I didn't do. a little do, rough start, a little bumpy start. You know what I'm saying? And, like all, like, all I can hear is in my mind, if at first you don't succeed, dust yourself off and try again. Uh, yeah, nonetheless, you know, it's a learning experience. It wasn't like, oh, I was ill-prepared or anything like that. But, uh circumstances being what they were some mistakes were made and uh learned a lot and so I'm, I'm excited for the next opportunity because it's, it's this feels like one of those um after school message opportunities it's like with if you don't succeed the first time continue on try live to fight on pressure away like all of that stuff like all of those things came in yeah. my mind but again you you, you 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 live and you learn um the mistakes that were made i can tell you one thing won't be made again uh, the preparation from uh, some external things I'm, I'm I'm certain will be in place. And so all things considered, I'm excited about the opportunity. So um, those of you who may be out in the Columbia, South Carolina uh, area, go and pull up on us uh, Thursday, September the 15th at Johnson Stadium there in Columbia. 
Um, it's going to be a good time, man. ESPU is going to be in the building. It's a good. It's going to be a good matchup between uh, Savannah State Tigers and the Benedict College Tigers. So, again, uh, y'all who are in the area, go and pull up on us, man, and you can get a chance to hear your boy Big Cliff kill it. You know what I'm saying? If you're a fan of Carolina Sports Talk, I can tell you what. In a good way. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, and and, and if, I'm, if I'm being transparent, like the feedback I got was that, you know, very much so the, the mistakes I thought I made, I made. Um, they amplified those. All the good stuff I did, you know, none of that matters. It's like, where'd you mess up at? That's that's the focus. That's the key. And that's where uh, that improvement comes. But nonetheless, there are 32 teams who have hopefully learned their mistakes from the years previous and are excited about week one in the NFL. So um, as, a, as I guess as a preview and with the return of the NFL, bro, uh, rather than run down some scores, would you say let's just do it on a uh, – like a quick hits, pick them kind of style. What you say, bro? Yeah, that's cool. Let's get it. Week one of 18 starts this Thursday, September the 8th at 820 with the Bills taking on the defending Super Bowl champion, Los Angeles Rams. Uh, now, we we know that that's going to be a good game. So uh, give me a who wins and what you think the final score is, bro? I don't I don't I'm just say it's ahead of time. I don't know if I got scores up in me, bro. Okay. I can give you, I can give you a winner. All right, go for it. Who you got um, on, on yeah, the win the on the Bills and the Rams? Bills. Okay, I am um, gonna. Yeah, the Bills. At against the defending champs at home, I'm taking the Rams. I, I, it's just too much emotion and too much going on. Even though I do want Josh Allen to go off because I got him in fantasy this year. Next up, the slate jumps over to our uh, September 11th Memorial, not Memorial Day, but the uh, 9/11 Day, uh, with the slate of games with the Steelers and the Bengals. Who you got in that matchup? Mm. Oh, mm, I like the Bengals. Okay, me too. I'm going to go Bengals there. We need uh, we're going to go back. I'm going to actually go back and tabulate these and re- and like mark them down so we can see how we did week to week as well. Uh, next up, 49ers at the Bears. Uh, so interesting quarterback matchup out there. It'll be mm-hmm. in good Chicago. To see some weapons, um, weapons. You know coming up but uh i'll take the bears wow over the niners first weekend yeah no i'm going niners uh that that offense has the potential even with the preseason with what we saw that offense has the potential to be dangerous i'm taking the niners and in a big way uh next up patriots at the dolphins down in miami another mid-tier game i'm gonna take the dolphins (laughs) with that one tyreek hill has a big uh coming out show Patriot Patty, I'm sorry. I'm going against y'all all year. Dolphins in this one. A game that's going to be near and dear to our hearts here in Charlotte. The Carolina Panthers against the Cleveland Browns. Who you got in that matchup? Um, Panthers. I uh, will get evicted out of this city. Facts. <laughs> I also am going to go Panthers. Um, and I don't think it's close. And I want to give a score on that one. I think based on what our defenses look like and Week one, we're going to be healthy. It's going to be Cleveland Browns 10, Carolina Panthers 24. Next up, the Texans and the Colts. Colts going down to Houston to take on the Texans. Uh, I like the Colts in that one. As do I. Although the Texans quietly, I think, are going to be a sneaky good team. This I don't even rephrase that. They're going to surprise some folks and, and, and give, them, give them a good shot. Uh, but I am taking the Colts in this opener game. Saints at Falcons in a matchup of the NFC uh, rival, NFC South rivals, 
down in Atlanta in the Dirty Bird. Who are you taking against Saints and Falcons? Uh, New Orleans going to make their statement for the um, NFC South and come out with their first conference victory. I'm actually going to go the other way. I, I still believe that the Saints will win the division, but I think they drop one the open on the road. They, they, they just not at full strength. They got some uh, – Thomas isn't back yet, of course, and we know he's in the suspension. Um, your boy, uh, throw him up. Hey, somebody open. <laughs> Jameis is going to do what he does, and I think the first one he has to, get, has to get cobwebs off, but I'm taking Saints in that one. Ravens at the Jets. I'm going with the Ravens. Easy, Ravens. Jaguars coming up to D.C. to take on the Commanders. I like the Commanders in that one, Ron Rivera. I'm going to go the other way. Sunshine is going to start showing folks why he was the number one overall draft pick last year. Um, he's got his healthy teammate, college, back in the backfield with him. I, I like the Jaguars in that matchup. The, the commanders are just kind of thin at the on the defensive side. Packers at the Vikings. Uh, that'll be a good game, but I'm going to be leaning... Um... Uh, I'm 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 gonna lean toward the Packers in that one. Okay. Honestly, and, and this is the first 4:25 afternoon game. I um, it's a coin flip for me. I I think those teams are probably surprisingly evenly matched, despite the disparities, uh, disparages, the differences at the quarterback position. But for the sake of the show, I'm gonna go Vikings, Giants against the Titans. Another afternoon 4:25 games. Uh, the Giants going up to Nashville. Who do you got? Yeah, I like the Titans at home. Absolutely. Raiders and the Chargers in L.A. Who you got in the third of the afternoon games? Uh, I think Justin Herbert is more established with his offense. Uh, Eckler is going to do his thing as well. So I'm going to go Chargers with that one. That Chargers offense is going to give a lot of people a lot of headaches this year. Um, Chargers win big to get to me. Chiefs and the Cardinals, the last of the 425 matchups. Yeah, shout out to my boy Carlos Dunlap uh, joining the Chiefs this year. I think he'll be a difference maker on the defense. Um, and I'm going to go Chiefs with this one. Whew. I wanna, I wanna, I'm going to rock with you that one as well. Shout out to the Charleston, Charleston's finest. Uh, yeah, Chiefs over the Cardinals. In the first of the evening games on Sunday, the Buccaneers go down to Dallas to take on the Cowboys. Who you got in the matchup of Tom versus Dak? Yeah, um, it's going to be a very good game, but uh, I'll never bet against Tom Brady until he gives me reason to. So I got the Buccaneers. As much as I'd like to see both of these te- teams lose and or tie, I'm, I'm, I'm going to go with uh, Buccaneers in this one as well. Next up, Monday, excuse me. Yeah, Monday night game, the Broncos and the Seahawks. Matchup of the quarterback going against his former team up in Seattle. Who do you got in that AFC and NFC West matchup? Uh, Denver, I just don't believe in uh, who's under center for Seattle, whether it's Geno or um, uh, I forget whoever his backup is, but. Exactly. I'm not sure that (laughs) Seattle knows and or cares who they have at the quarterback position. Pete Carroll had an article today saying that he felt like 
Uh, although the world has counted them out, he expects good things from his draft from his team. My anticipation is to expect good things from the draft as they draft a quarterback number one overall next year. I'm taking Broncos big in that Monday night matchup. Um, overall, of all of the matchups from week one, which one are you kind of most looking for- forward to outside of Charlotte? Yeah, the Buccaneers-Cowboys game. I mean, just the excitement from evening games and um, whether it's Sunday night, Monday night, or Thursday night games. Uh, I think the Seattle Broncos game will be interesting still. I think um, Seattle will fight hard and, uh, and you know, we'll just see kind of how Russell does under the big lights um, as far as like returning and, and see what weapons that he has, but mainly the Buccaneers uh, Cowboys game. Okay. Now, if you are a Seattle fan, uh, when he comes back into Seattle after what he's given to that organization and to that franchise, if you're a fan in Seattle, you booing? Or are you cheering him? Yes. You're booing no, him. It's booze. <laughs> One yeah. of his former uh, teammates in, uh, uh, what's the little speedy uh, receiver? Not DK. Um, the little short Lock one. It. Lock it. Tyler Lockett uh, was quoted in an article this week saying that the Seattle fans should cheer for Russell Wilson for all that he contributed to their organizations, uh, to their organization's history. And my first thought was, yeah, nah, bro. He's not coming to get you. He's exactly. not bringing you. It's easy for him to say. <laughs> Easy for him to say because he, you know, probably helped him get some contracts or whatever like that. Exactly. He fed him that ball for years. But nah, bro, you on a different team. Like, I don't care who you are, what you did, um, what you contributed. Like, with the exception of, well, then I guess that's me talking outside of my mouth then. Because I wasn't going to boo Steve Smith when he came back. Um, I wasn't rooting for him, but I wasn't going to boo him. I just was like, yo, all right, he's here, I guess, you know. You ain't got to get off on us the pause like you did. But nonetheless, uh, I, I get it to an extent. But nah, <laughs> when Cam came back, it wasn't no cheering for that dude. Um, pretty much Steve Smith was the only one who I kind of had some feelings about. But that's because he's the greatest player in the history of our franchise. So nonetheless, uh, for me, I'm looking forward to the Thursday night matchup with the Bills and the Rams. I think that's going to be probably one of the best games of the week. And so for that to be the header, the NFL knew exactly what they were doing in the scheduling with this one. Um, you got a matchup of honestly two Super Bowl favorites. I wouldn't be surprised if this was the first and the last game of the season this year with the Bills and the Rams taking on one another. I think the defenses on both sides are going to be epic. Uh, we've got an amazing quarterback play, skilled players out the wazoo in uh, both sides of the ball. And so I'm, I'm excited for the matchup. It'll definitely tell us a lot about what both of these teams look like for the re- for the rest of the season. So Ultimately, it's going to be a really exciting week one, man. We got football back, bro, I'm, and I'm excited about it. Yeah, I mean, indeed. Uh, you know me, I mean, you know, we're going to see what these Panthers do and just it's time for fantasy. So so here's the thing. we're Because it's the start of the season, I, I think we're good. Now, whether or not we remain healthy, whether or not somebody, you know, whatever happens, like, and he needs to make some adjustments, That'll be where we actually can see, you know, how he as the t- and the team have grown um, from the previous years because it never fails that when he has his full slate of healthy players and the time to imp- to have implemented scheme and practice and go over things, X's and old wise, we're always good. But then when that injury comes or then when somebody has figured something out and it's time for the adjustments, that's when Matt Rule kind of lets us down a little bit. And I think probably chief among the reasons why there's a lot of um, – fire being lit under his seat specifically from a lot of the fans throughout the Charlotte area. So like you said, 
We'll see. It's fantasy time. We are excited about it, man. If you got your drafts in your fantasy leagues and you feel like you got that championship squad, go ahead and drop a picture or snap a little quick uh, screenshot of what that roster looks like and shoot it to us a line at cliff at carolinasportstalk.net so we can tell you how good your team is and how it probably wouldn't do nothing in our league. But that's going to wrap it up. Like I said, we're not going to spend a bunch of time on uh, football this week. I'm just excited for it to get here. Uh, I do want to talk a little bit about the NBA, though. There was some... A pretty big trade that happened this week, man. Um, and I, I instantly thought about you when it when it happened. Pause, my dog. My condolences. I know you guys were rooting and wanting it, but uh, no, Donovan, no condolences needed. No condolences needed. Uh, talk that talk. Why not? Yes, I mean at this point, you expect the Knicks to do Knicks things. So, mm. well, for those yet. for those of you who may have either been under a rock or what, but immediately after recording last week, the Cleveland Cavaliers. Uh, despite the aggressive pursuit from the New York Knicks, the Cleveland Cavaliers were able to pull off a trade and acquire three-time All-Star guard Donovan Mitchell uh, in a trade with the Jazz. Um, the Cleveland Cavaliers sent Jazz for um, they sent the Jazz the forward Laurie Markkinen, uh, the wing uh, Okai. What's Okai? I can't ever pronounce his last name, but Abagjabi Agbaji. Yeah, him. All right, now that's what Benedict was talking about there. That's <laughs> <laughs> uh, not actually what they were talking about. And I was waiting on I was waiting on you to you did, I knew you had it loaded in the chamber and you was like, all right, Benedict. Here he go, yo. You get it again, bro. That's my one. Yeah. That's- yeah. We got it, bro. Technical difficulties, but we back in here like swimwear. Nonetheless, the Knicks, uh, excuse me, the, the Cavaliers, again, they sent a lot. They got the Jazz forward, like I said, Markkanen, Abogji, I'm, I'm messing his name up. It is what it is. Colin Sexton, three unprotected first-round picks, and two pick swaps from Mitchell. Um, let's let's just take a look at the trade overall first and, uh, and evaluate that. What are your thoughts? Do you think the Cavs got, um, what, do you think it was balanced one way or the other? What, what, what are your thoughts overall? Yeah, I mean... The Cavs became stronger, so the Cavs became stronger, and the Jazz, you know, just picked up. I don't know if you consider them assets. You can center on bodies. You look at players as six fouls apiece, mm. you know. But they got, they got, they got bodies. So I see it as pretty balanced. But for the most part, the Cavs got stronger, uh, definitely. Absolutely. They played some scrappy ball last year, despite not having a quote unquote superstar or anything like that. They did play some good ball. Uh, you add uh, add Mitchell into um, the East, basically now with a team that already has Darius Garland. They got uh, Jared Allen, uh, Evan Mobley. Like they got a squad, bro. I think Spider can help to really contribute where he won't have to be the primary ball handler anymore. I think he'll be able to be put into a position to kind of flourish and, and spring forth a little bit more. And Cleveland quietly, in my opinion, just got to be a top four seed in the East. Um, I can easily see that if they're able to play healthy um, and, and they look good. Now, if we swap to the other side of the thing uh, of the deal, we, we know that Utah at this point is in a complete rebuilding mode after having let go of their top two salary and top two players. Um, they got a million and six picks and there's some speculation that, um, a couple of other players, um, not even speculation, they've got talks ongoing right now to trade um, Bogdanovich, Clarkson, and Mike Connolly. Jordan, Jordan Clarkson, yeah. Yeah, and so um, 
let's take a look at that. Where do you think they end up? Do you think the three of them go different places? Do you think one team swings for all three? Um, do you even want to make a prediction on it? Or, like, what are your thoughts? because no, I'm exhausted with the NBA at this point, really. Uh, anything that I even fathom or – you know, start to get optimistic about it just doesn't happen. But I don't, I don't, Jordan Clarkson is, is, I'll just, he's, he's, Jordan Clarkson is a hundred tickets shy of being box office. Oh. He's a hundred. <laughs> um, so, I mean, and that's not no knock. I'm saying like, that's how nice he is. Like he's, he's star level, close to superstar level. He, but he, not last quite. year. Huh? But not quite there. <laughs> Right. No, I mean, I, I, I put a lot of stock in being a superstar in the league, but definitely star level and played past his last year and in the past couple of years, honestly, um, rest in peace, Kobe. Um, but so I think he, he has a lot of value with him. Uh, and you said Mike Conley as well. Mm-hmm. And then and Bogdanovich. Bogdanovich. Bo- yeah, yeah. Boyan. I mean, and who are, who are all great players. So um, I think it's hard-pressed to see a package for them. Uh, but you never know with the NBA. You just never know. Um, like I said, Jordan, All yeah, put it like this. All of them are, are good enough players or at a good tier to where that package of all three of them would be super valuable. Um, you could see multi-team trades going on or, or, you know, happening and stuff like that. There's... I think there's a lot of teams that could use use their talents. I have no clue what the Utah Jazz are doing at this point, uh, other than just saying, unless they're just trying to say, yo, if we can get like 17 picks in the first round, we could just draft a new team. Like, other than that, I have no clue what they're doing because they, they got picks on top of picks on top of picks. And in most instances, you would think that a team would take some of those and kind of package them and, like you said, trade to for a superstar and or use them to make some moves along here and there. But one, who's wanting to go to Utah? Two, who's wanting to go to Utah with a bare cupboard? Um, I, I don't see what they're going to do this upcoming season other than field a team, a bunch of uh, you's and I's and me's and, and them's and, like, I, don't, I have no clue what they're doing with regards to the assets that they are now getting also ready to get rid of the Bogdanovich Clarkson and Conley. Um, I saw one report, of course, the LA Lakers were looking to see what kind of package that they could get together. Um, it would very likely end up being the Lakers guard Westbrook along with the remaining two year, two first round picks that we have over the next 60 years. Cause we've traded all the rest of them. Um, but I, I I think it would be a good fit. Of course, as a Lakers fan, I would love to see it. I just don't know how realistic it is for us to get to get that pulled off, especially because they have been adamant about not wanting to trade both of their remaining first round picks. Um, so it'd be interesting. I think that ultimately, I would would like to see the three of them go someplace together and and bolster whomever they end up with. If that be uh, not even I won't say Golden State. If that be a Los Angeles Lakers squad, if somehow the Clippers are able to pull it off. The three of them together, no matter where they end up, are going to be contributors, like you said, near box, super box office, 100 tickets short, I think you said, um, and, and just contributors. As Shaq said, anybody with the last name that ends in Vich is a shooter. Bogdanovich, uh, Stoyakovich, any of the Viches are shooters. And, and, and then even with Mike Connolly, him being a kind of a bench-type floor general who can come off with the second unit and really get some buckets and, and lead that, that unit I think those three will be key assets to whomever they end up with. So 
ultimately, I think it kind of contributed to some more mix-up and another good NBA season, man. These guys are building these teams one way or another, come high, hella high water, they're trying to make it happen. So uh, definitely want to. Yeah. It's 99 problems, but a bitch ain't one. Um, but <laughs> um, also on the Knicks side, before we do leave that trade, I did message you and stuff like that and kind of let you know. Ultimately, the optimism was there to try to get these guys, to try to get Donovan, of course. And what would have had to happen, which I wouldn't have minded, like as far as giving up certain players, maybe Randall or, you know, whoever. But the thing is, we just got Brunson. And then really the movement of that trade started happening after the news that R.J. Barrett was going to get extended had came out and got released. So when we made that announcement that R.J. Barrett was going to be a Nick for a couple more years. Mm-hmm. Um, that's when they, you know, started looking elsewhere and stuff like that. But it would have been tough having all three coexist in New York. Uh, you know, then you're looking at maybe R.J. Barrett being a three or one of these two guys that you bought in for big money coming off the bench. And then the only other option would have been if you deal R.J. Barrett out and, you know, keep Brunson and Donovan Mitchell which, you know, cool in theory uh, to have Brunson bringing the ball up and, like you said, feeding Donovan Mitchell the ball uh, or having the ball out of Donovan Mitchell's hands a little bit more. But ultimately on the defensive side, that would have been a liability just because of these guys' height and uh, NBA that we're, you know, that we're in right now. Outside of your Luka Doncic's of the world, you still got people like LeBron bringing the ball up. You mm-hmm. got – just uh guards and forwards that handled the blow yeah that handled the ball so that would have definitely been a liability um in the backcourt so you know ultimately it was definitely wishful and and optimistic but we, I think we you know pulling the trigger with Brunson and, and him having the relationships that he has in the front office and everything like that um and then ultimately making that move with RJ Barry that determined you know how this Donovan Mitchell thing was going to play out for us yeah, and and ultimately, I'm I think I'm at a point where I'm just about sick of seeing the creator team thing happen. Um, I know as a Laker fan, it's primarily the LeBron effect where um, each year it's got to, oh we've got to retool, we've got to get LeBron what he needs. I looked at a, a graphic today that had uh, the entire roster from our 2020 championship team of the I think it was 18 players, of course, including like the bench guys and stuff like that. Of the eighteen players that were a member that were members of the Los Angeles Lakers twenty twenty team, how many do you think are still on the squad right now, including LeBron? Uh, and LeBron F- and AD two. Yeah, exactly two. That that's that's not continuity, and that's not um, that's not a fun thing for me to watch. To have to every year learn who's on the squad and every year retool. It's like I want some legacy. I want some continuity. I want something that's going to be. Um, Able, that I'm gonna be able to cheer for every year. Yeah, of course, winning is the, the pinnacle thing, but to go through this and not win, it's like, I right, bro, I've had just about enough of that. Uh, and so I'm ready to see. Like I've I've always been for the player empowerment movement and 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 them taking the ownership and having a little bit more creative fun. Um, but it's beginning to look like fantasy basketball at this point, where the teams are switching every year. Um, and I know I sound like the old man, like get off my lawn. But at this point, I'm, I'm ready to see some. A Lakers squad where I see somebody in the same jersey for two years other than LeBron and AD, bro. So, 
Um, I'm over it, man. And and I know your points. You don't got nobody to think but yourselves. No, no, no. We thank LeBron James. And I'm not one of the ones who can thank that dude because I ain't want him in the first place. Nonetheless, <laughs> I think your Lake, your Knicks are going to be good. I, I, I think that ultimately, and I mentioned this to you when we talked about it through the week, I, I don't think it's bad. I don't think that it's uh, a bad thing that you didn't get Spider. Now, I know there are some reports out there saying, oh, that the Jazz didn't trade it as a trade them to you guys as a way to stick it to. I was like, that's just that stupid. Yeah, yeah that's that's uh, if that's the case, they're going to get everything they deserve with regards to their movements um, and lack thereof moving forward. But ultimately, I think you guys are going to be better. I, I likened it to what the Carolina Panthers would have looked like had we executed and got the trade for Deshaun Watson. It would have been to bear a cupboard for the cost of what it would have had to bring him in so i think you guys are going to be good nonetheless now how interesting would it be for if utah you know figured out a way and with new york to get you guys maybe like a clarkson or a Conley or something like that um as a quote-unquote consolation prize and that ends up being what pushes you guys over the top that would be kind of worth it for me at that point that's yeah i mean and we've done being at like a, a derrick rose is the the role that a Conley would play an older point guard that we would expect to come off the bench if because it'd just be too much politics and too much headlines as far as to, to force him to start. I can see Jordan Clarkson making him with making his way into the lineup mm-hmm. uh as a two slash three, but you're just looking, you know, at a polished right-handed version of RJ Barrett, pretty much the everything that RJ Barrett would want to be. So getting those guys for the veteran leadership, I could see that, but they'll just be taking up more space on the band, you know, depending on what we end up doing with the guys that we have now. Um, so, and I mean, and to your point, you've built up something behind the scenes as far as culture goes and um, people like Derek Rose actually seems like he likes it in New York or um, other cats seem like they like it in New York. So um, just don't want to disrupt that too much. Absolutely. And, and, and chemistry. And, and like you said, we've talked about it um, here on the show before. Culture matters. It, it absolutely matters when, when players have the ability to have fun and feel vested and want to fight for their teammates and want to grow with their teammates. Um, good things happen always. And so we'll definitely keep an eye on the NF, excuse me, the NBA season this upcoming uh, year. We know that the preseason games start in just over a month, man. Uh, it's hard to believe, but October 4th is first preseason game, man. So definitely excited for the NBA and want to want to see what this is going to look like as far as for the layout of the land. Now, as we move forward, one of the things that um, our Carolina Sports Talk troll has often uh, requested is talk more about the HBCUs. And so with none, without further ado, man, let's jump into some HBCU football, man. As, as we talked in the header of the show, uh, yours truly had the opportunity to call the Carolina Classic up in Benedict, uh, Benedict Country, Tiger Country, if you would, um, to watch the Tigers crush Elizabeth City State 58 to 14. Now, um, that score wasn't even really that close, <laughs> if we're going to be honest about it, um, simply because the first on the first offensive possession, uh, there was a blown coverage where their 6'5", uh, 245, uh, receiver, big bodied guy. He he made a move and he shook one guy and the other one was out of position and they got an easy touchdown on their first offensive possession. And from there, Benedict just locked the clamps defensively and was just 
playing some dog football uh, up there in Columbia, man. So I'm excited to see what they're able to do, um, both defensively and offensively. In this first game, they racked up 550 yards of total offense while holding Elizabeth City State to 243 total yards. Zero for 10 on third down and fourth down. Um, Several big plays, big hits. Um, they were flying to the ball. The, uh, the coach out there, uh, Chinnis Berry, is uh, is a bruh. So shout out to the bruhs. He's in his second year, and he, he's he's got him coached up, man. They they looked apart. I am definitely definitely excited to watch some more Benedict football this year, bro. Yeah, man. I mean, What's the smile about, bro? Go ahead, on man. Because what? you're you're just throwing so many off of the backboard for me to, but I didn't want to interrupt. Uh, you know, it's a. New audible experience on my end over here in High Star Studios. I didn't I didn't wanna <laughs> I didn't want to do too much. I got my I got my one joke in earlier. You know mm, what I'm saying? You're one and a half. the blown co- <laughs> Exactly, because you Exactly <laughs> you mentioned the blown coverage. <laughs> blown coverage. <laughs> <laughs> Friends. That's the only how many After of that, us you, have you them? Was, right, right, exactly. I wouldn't be afraid if I didn't. Because now, nah, like, all right, let's put it like this. When we did our weekend recap, I said, oh, brother is being transparent with his. And I love it. You know, share with the Carolina, with our family at this point, right? Yeah. Carolina Sports Talk Nation. Go ahead and share with them because, shoot, listen, a stand-up comedian, I've did way worse than than people. You know what I'm saying? My, my worst days has been worse than people could dream of and then even you know djing uh you know weddings there's times where oh can you play the migos and i uh, mess around and play an uncensored version and granny's looking at me like <laughs> like child please so I, it happens to the best of us definitely but nevertheless um shout out to benedict definitely kicked off the then um what a quality win we'll talk about it a little bit later but i like um the year starting off with HBCU matchups, HBCU versus HBCUs. And and also, like, I enjoy, like, the, the culture of classics that, you know, um, always been a big thing in the 80s and the 90s and stuff. And then you have your sponsors and then you have, like, certain uh, shrines or, or, or trophy pieces and, and things like that. So, you know, that's all right. The Carolina Classic, um, you know, Better better luck next year, Elizabeth City State. <laughs> better luck next year, the rest of the season, all of that. Benedict looked apart, the man. They 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 look like a team that is well coached and disciplined. Um, and they got playmakers all around. There was some preseason, um, a little preseason quarterback battle with um between quarterbacks John Lampley and uh, who transferred in, and then Eric Phoenix. Both of them got a chance to play. Both of them look good. Phoenix was like 14 of 17 for 188 uh, and one touchdown while also running for another one. And then Lampley was 7 of 14 for 147 yards and a score, uh, a passing score and a rushing um, touchdown as well. Neither one of them threw an interception. Both of them looked good. Although I will say that when Lampley came in the game, he looked more pocket ready as where Eric Phoenix looks like your more typical um I don't want to say it the wrong way, but I'm going to say it. HBCU quarterback who's got a, a decent arm, but is an athlete and wants to get out of the pocket and, and, and is, is a rusher, is aggressive with, with the ball. As where Lampley just came in, stood in a pocket, and looked like the part, man. But 
even with that with yeah. the offensive battle at the quarterback position, they also had two rushers who were both getting off. Both of them went over fifty yards. One with eight and one with uh, ten carries. Uh, being Zaire Scotland and DeAndre Duhart. Um, I am definitely interested for the matchup this upcoming week. Uh, it's an away game, but then the next week on the fifteenth, the home game on ESPNU, man. Because if they are able to keep going, even the kicker, man. The kicker was out there like doing his thing, bro. He he was perfect with all of, with his two field goals. Didn't miss an extra point. Um, yeah, man. They Benedict has got some some good football getting played this year, bro. Whenever, whenever, um, I always used to get excited as a resident second stringer at Fort Dorchester, uh, with the likes of you know Byron Maxwell, <laughs> right? NFLers playing in front of me and stuff. Yeah, even though they were younger than me. Um, whenever you get up. You know, 35 points and it's the other team only got like a touchdown or a field goal and it's the first half still. And then you come out that second half and y'all score on the first possession and things like that. You're like, oh, I'm going to get a little bit of burn tonight. Like, all right. Like, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> now, inversely, you hated to be on the flip side of that when y'all only got three or 10 mm-hmm. points and the other team got 55 and the coach is like, all right, you know, Jones, get in there or whatever like that. But um, you could always tell, you know, as it now, I, I held it down and start. I, so I always consider myself a starter because I started on special teams, right? Hey, you're a starter, bro. You a got problem. it. <laughs> exactly. And I was definitely a problem on kickoff team and on kickoff return and, and all of that type of stuff. So, but, um, yeah, we always look forward to, to those lopsided games. Cause you're like, yeah, second string going to get a little bit of shine. We're going to get a little burn. As long as we don't give up no, you know what I mean, no bad touchdowns or whatever like that. Right. Yeah, they they definitely, even with the quarterback battle, they were up 24-7 uh, at the half. And by midway, about hmm, maybe halfway through the third quarter, the score was 58-7. to They were like, yeah. Uh, so who hadn't played yet? Uh, anybody else? Uh, anybody in the stands want to come out here and get some of this? Uh, hey, yo, Waterboy, go ahead and get in there and get a snap, man. Like, everybody was up in that thing at that point, man. Oh, so. Yeah. Once again, shout out to the Benedict. In Columbia. Exactly. Now, I will say this. I got to give a shout out to the fans. The fans, they were engaged. Uh, and, and although I wasn't, um, although they didn't know who I was, they were they were receptive. I also have to give a shout out to my dog, DJ Highstar, who gave me the pregame playlist and had folks rocking and bopping up and down the field, through the stands, Everything, you know what I mean? So, like, shout out to my dog who does his thing with the, with the music uh, mix, bro. Um, I appreciate that. I, I will say this real quick about Apple Music. Um, <laughs> you pick, like, because, it, again, it's not the, the DJ High Star mix is, is still on the way. But you pick, like, um, censored tracks uh-huh. nowadays. They're not all the way censored. Like At that. all. It's like, they're censored, <laughs> but why are they, like, leaving out just, like, they just going to be like, <laughs> And leave out the the rest of it, or or and it's just like okay, we know what these words are. This we feels know. like, yeah, it feels yeah, like the explicit know. version. Uh, so it feels um, it literally is like, yeah, I'm gonna, and then I'm gonna, and then all of a sudden it'd be like a. Yeah. It's like yo, what y'all could have just took all of that out. What are you doing? Like stop. Yeah. <laughs> but no, I absolutely know what you're talking about. Um, and for those of you who don't, in the stadium, we, of course, similar to Carolina Sports Talk, there's no cussing. So the music that we played was all cl- uh, clean selections. Uh, when he uh, curated the list for me, he uh, took his time and found majoritively clean <laughs> lyrics well, yeah, for I mean, the songs. They were all there was- listed as, yeah. 
every every song I selected was was selected as you know. Yeah, there was one the, that was the a censored ludic- version or whatnot. There was one that was a ludicrous something, and when Luda got in there, I was like, "Oh, oh, okay, Luda, I'm gonna go ahead and fade this one on down and skip track right. and fade it back on up Let's go to the next one." Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Now I will say this, and I want to hear from you guys as well. Hit us up on the Carolina Sports Talk line, Cliff at CarolinaSportsTalk.net, or shoot us a text message at this point because y'all don't use the email line anyway. But what are some of your favorite songs, whether you were an athlete, whether you were uh, a gym head, whether you're just somebody who likes good hype music? What are some of the songs that get you hype? Are you listening to more of your old school T.I. and Luda or are you going even further back and getting you some uh, give me somebody uh, Uncle Luke or somebody or if are you somebody who likes some of this young young boy that's the troy maybe yeah or like yeah or any of the new stuff what gets you hype and gets you into the mood to get locked in for whether it be like i said for your athletics if you're going to work out if you're going to just sit in the house and want to get crunk what gets you going there man because if you're going to the game to sell drugs like whatever you're doing <laughs> or whatnot that sounds like a ti special right there if y'all are <laughs> right now nah, or if y'all are pre-gaming perhaps about to go out mm-hmm. to the camp like to mm-hmm. the game you on campus yeah you know, Dog, and everybody got those songs because like there i can remember uh ti motivation bro that every time i felt like i was getting ready to go someplace like whether it had been like going out or hanging out i was like let me put some ti on and that thing used to get me ready man i'd get down the windows go and make sure i'm fresh my music bumping and i'm going to get ready i'm i'm good to go man that would lock me in so uh watching the the, the fans and the and and the players watching them on the field and their reactions to certain songs was like okay they bumping to what I bumped to. Okay. And then some of the new stuff they were getting down to. The one song that shocked me, though, and, and I guess because it, it transitions matter, it was not long after a, a stretch of, like, bring them out, bring them out, bring them out, bring them out. Like, right after that. And then there was some uh, T.I. Like, there was, like, I said T.I. There's some other, like, Luda. Like, there was a bunch of old school. Like, and they were, all of them were bumping. Like, the, the, the fans were live. And then here comes the K-Dot. Why oh why oh why like and everybody just kind of mm. sat there and I was like but, but I thought this was a good song like <laughs> so mm. in anyway nonetheless it'll be interesting to kind of check out what they look like and, and what you guys are sending in to see you know what the fans react to and what the players react to as well as we move forward in some HBCU football Jackson State University looks primed to win another champion for rather for another championship run now. We know that the Jackson State Tigers fell to the South Carolina State Bulldogs last year in the Celebration Bowl, the HBCU National Championship. But they came back with a vengeance this past weekend, taking care of Florida A&M 59-3. Bro, what are your thoughts, man? Do you think... uh... I would have definitely been playing in that game. (laughs) Hey yo yo hey, all right all y'all starters we got we got next week uh, Jones going in there boy exactly man so what are your thoughts bro what, what do you think Jackson State looks like awesome I mean we got to remember you're the number one recruit in the nation snatch mm-hmm. him up snatch him up um, who was the previous place where was the previous place that he was committing to was it Alabama Florida State oh Florida State right 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 um. So I I hear and, and and saw clips of him like crying on Dion's shoulder before the game started, and then you got Dion's son uh, starting at quarterback as well. So they got Shador. two anchors yeah. on the offense and the defensive side. 
uh, that are going to lead them all season. I mean, the the cornerback is a stud. You got Deion Prime Time Sanders as your coach. I mean, listen. And then uh, there's a couple other things that he's implemented. You know, Denzel Washington. Remember the Titan style with them boys. Like they can't um, have their armpit showing. Um, which is a strange request in itself. Just say you can't have cut off shirts, but that's how he worded it. Um, can't have the armpit showing. I don't think that they could wear slides on the campus. Um, whenever they are in class, they have to sit in the front rows or something like that. Um, so some certain things that they're doing off the field, we're going to see that discipline carry over on the field, I believe. And, uh, and this year, Dion is about business. I think, that South Carolina State lost for him, left a, a bad taste or sour taste in his mouth, pause. And he, um, like I said, he, he, the changes that he's made and and the things that I've seen um, thus far, they're, des- they're definitely not going to be lacking in the discipline, in the Department of Discipline. Absolutely not. Um, you mentioned, if I think, bigger even than the defensive player, Shadur Sanders, man, he looks like a quarterback. He, 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 I think last year's loss to South Carolina State in that bowl really opened his eyes and said, I don't want to have to feel that ever again. For many folks, yours truly in, included, I hate to lose more than I like to win. And so having tasted, pause, defeat, having tasted loss to go through, again, I, you, you got your one and a half off. Uh, to go through what I went through this past week, no, I'm never, ever going to have to feel that feeling again. And so and he started a game off, and I'll jump back with you in a second. He started a game off 17 for 17, having tossed at that point almost 200 yards and two touchdowns. He finishes the game with 29 for 33 for 323 yards and five passing touchdowns. The boy is easy to ball this year. Yeah, I mean, outside of having a head coach like he does, your father, um, your father is not a participation trophy type of guy. Right. So I can imagine um, outside of the workouts that they've done, outside of getting up at 5 a.m., you know, to 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 go on runs or, or to do whatever he has to do preparing for this season, I'm sure that every other moment that he thought that he had to rest, that that tape was probably playing uh, somewhere in the background or, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Um, come on down here and and uh, and watch some of this film or whatever like that with me. You know, now, you know what I'm saying? I could I could just imagine, like I said, uh, Dion is not a participation trophy type of guy. So, you know, <clears throat> the cloth he's cut from is just, is you know, is built up a, a, a animal and we're going to see that this season. Absolutely. Um, now, speaking of the team that beat them in the Celebration Bowl, South Carolina State University opened up their season against the UCF Knights. Now, and we'll talk about this in just a little bit, but um, it was definitely a money game. Um, State plays about two, sometimes three of these every year, whether it be South Florida, whether it be UCF. Um, they've got both UCF and South Carolina uh, this year on the schedule, but a little bit worse than the outcome of the game with them end up losing 56 to 10 was uh, a knucklehead. I can't even say knucklehead. They, they ran for a fake punt, didn't get it on their next offensive possession. Of course, they were again held short and ran a second fake punt that wound them up on 
not top 10 plays for SportsCenter. The kicker, um, when he faked it, it was a fourth and 29. He ran as if he was going to pass, pump faked once, continued to run. And then after having run of the 29 yards that he needed, running 25 of them, including running past the line of scrimmage, he then decided to punt the ball when he could have, by many accounts, just went a little bit further and tried to kick it. It's almost like they said, hey, run for it. If you can't get it, kick the ball. And he didn't realize that he had passed the line of scrimmage. He didn't realize how close to it he was. He saw one of those UCF players coming to him and was like, nope, not getting me today, and punched the ball. And it's like, bro, say what? Like, do you even, like, the situational awareness, bro, like, you got to know where the line of scrimmage is. You got to, like, I understand not wanting to take a hit. I understand that he's a kicker. But this is also the kicker that in the Celebration Bowl was hitting everybody with the, uh, uh, um, what's the uh, UFC fighter, um, the Irish guy when he does. Conor McGregor. With the Conor McGregor. Oh, I'm a big, like, yo, bro, you can't have all that swag then and then do a bonehead play like that, man. But shout out to South Carolina State. Nonetheless, um, they did score. <laughs> <laughs> they did score and and shout out to uh, the charleston's finest shaq davis uh who had two receptions only 35 yards but then uh did add to his touchdown total um shaq looks the part bro he looks like an nfl receiver and his performances against the teams like ucf like the south carolina and and, and some of these other ones is going to do what darius did against clemson and some of these other bigger schools he's going to use that opportunity to shine and i really feel like he's making himself some money man so what are your thoughts on the UCF and South Carolina State game? Uh, you know, I mean, like I said, we'll talk about it kind of around the money, uh, money game topic. But um, listen, it's just two two sides to the coin, you know, bright 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 lights and stuff like that. And uh, again, that that play itself kind of took over for the whole game, uh, at least for the Bulldogs making it to ESPN and, and whatnot and in the fashion that they would have probably chose not to. Uh but it um it 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 is an interesting interesting vibe. I also um on to your point that they'll be playing the Gamecocks this year. I believe South Carolina is coming down to Orangeburg. So <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> I, they're they're not? No. Stay I think and the Gamecocks not coming are. to Orangeburg to Dawson Stadium. It's in it's in Williams Bryce. I'm I'm just saying uh, I'm I'm not just pulling that out of my behind. Uh, did you like what? Do you have? Are you just saying that with uber confidence because that's what you know? Emphatically, yes. The game is October the first right. in Williams Bryce Stadium. All right, all right, all right. No, all right. You took the time while you were saying emphatically to pull it up on Google. I got you. No, I had you already had it up because I was cause looking was at. A little shook. <laughs> okay, first of all, no. Second of all, no. Lastly, South Carolina State University <laughs> would never, like, rephrase that. The University of South Carolina would never come to. It's not. It's not beneficial because the sheer uh, capacity of William of Williams Bryce versus Dawson. It's the money that they would be losing to go to a school like that. They 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 would never do that. And this is the fifth time that they've played them is in as recent many uh, years as I can remember. And they've never come. They won't. They won't come there. They're not going to do that. Now, in a basketball, they may possibly do that. The men's basketball team, not this year with um, with Gigi, but in some years past, I could have seen the basketball team coming. But you yeah, know, 
the game right, guards ain't right, coming to right. stay. You got that. I just thought I saw it somewhere. You know what I'm saying? But <clears throat> yeah, nonetheless, you're right. Uh, yeah, exactly. Uh, I, I just liking the play um, in basketball and stuff where the the lights get too big for you, or or you say, for instance, you're a guard and you got this a huge blue chip power forward or center coming to block your shot and you just kind of lose all of your technical skill set mm-hmm. and uh throw the ball off the backboard awkwardly or you know what I mean or do just some bonehead play. That's that's what I liken it to. Like you said, he he froze up in the moment. Um yeah, that's 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 it's it's bad when that's the the biggest takeaway that you got from the game. Yeah, and honestly though, I Last year, State wasn't like this world beater type team throughout the year. Um, they barely made it to the postseason, but because of their record and who they beat and when they beat them, that's what qualified them for the Celebration Bowl. Nobody gave State a chance to do anything with Jackson State, and they these guys, those guys were essentially fitting themselves for their championship ring. So I, I will never count out a Billy, uh, Billy, a uh, buddy coach team, um, but. They're going to have to play some football. As I mentioned, they their first game was UCF. They got BCU coming up this weekend. They got a t They got South Carolina. They they will play FAM, which would be Fam interesting you, to yeah. see what they're able to do with that ROTC team. game. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then they've got like a couple of other regular uh, state uh, in-conference games with NC Central, Morgan State, Howard, Dell State, and Norfolk State. So. I I, th- I give them a chance once once they get past that um, South Carolina slate, it wouldn't be it wouldn't surprise me to see them to lose to A and T beat Bethune, get crushed by South Carolina. Uh, the Fam game will be interesting to see in comparison. I guess a head to head versus the same team, the Jackson State kind of walloped the the VA Lynchburg is a, a gimme Central homecoming. I think is that game. So ultimately, I could see them. You know, aside from the bigger squads running the table and and possibly setting up for a defending championship run. So um, shout out to South Carolina State. We definitely want you guys to continue to do well. Um, And yeah, man, shout out to Shaq, Charleston's finest. Now, next up, the Mayo Classic that took place in Bank of America Stadium here in Charlotte against North Carolina Central University and North Carolina Agricultural and Technical Institution. Um Central ends up taking that one in a 28 to 13 final score. Uh, now you had a chance, as you mentioned, to go out there to the game, man. Tell me a little bit about it, man. How, what, what was the game the like? Tailgate. Yeah. Yeah. I was, I was at the tailgate. Um, but <laughs> thanks a lot, Rico. But, um, <laughs> yeah, I was going to give it, give y'all the, uh, perspective of again, a tailgater. And then like later on, um, catching the score and stuff like that on TV or whatnot and, and seeing how the game played out. But uh, from from the tailgame perspective, we we definitely, uh, and when I say we, I mean black people, we took over oh Uptown um, definitely on Saturday. Uh, great showing, and it looked like, you know, the OCI double-A days and stuff like that or, or whatnot. But um, tailgates galore, NC... Um, A and T, they definitely were outnumbering the central fans out there. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, so pre-game, you would have thought because of how prominent, how um, partying and all of that stuff that NC A and T is, as far as like having a tailgate stuff together and 
everybody in their in their regalia and alumni paraphernalia and stuff like that. You would have thought that it was just going to be an easy, easy choice, an easy pick. Um, then when it come down to the football, the X's and O's, I did get some inside information, even though I have a bone to pick with our uh, pro fight, Rico. Uh, he did give me <laughs> some inside information with regards to Central and our offensive line coach and, and you know, how he knew him personally and stuff like that mm-hmm. and what he thought Central had the potential to do. And I have another buddy of mine that is alumni of Central as well. And he kind of gave me similar uh, intel, just saying that, you know, we're going to be a sneaky team this year and watch out this coming Saturday, what we're going to do. And uh, they took care of business 28 to 13. Um, When it come down to it, it came down to it rather. um, A&T only got into the end zone once, I want to say. And the rest may have been um, field goals. And um, mm-hmm. and uh, Central shut A&T out in the second half. Uh, so just, again, it's a kind of a snapshot of how the game went. I, I think it – I don't know. Would you consider it going down as an upset just with the names itself? No, simply because um, of the strength that you just talked about. Central's offensive line is tough this year. They got um, Davius looking like – Marshawn Lynch and Davius Richard being their running back. He had 13 carries for 54 yards and two touchdowns. Um, He actually was um, at one point a um, Duke commit. So he he has the potential to to play that big time ball. Not sure why he went to Central. Not going to ask him questions. But that offensive line, I just knew that they were going to be good and tough this year because that was one of the strengths from last year. And like you said, their coach coaches them up. Anytime that your quarterback is your leading rusher, it typically is going to end up in a in a situation where it's not going to be favorable for your team, and that was the case for A and T. Now, I, I could see why you would, if not knowing the football teams or anything like that, just looking at them. But even by the size, North Carolina A and T is the largest HBCU in the country. They've got an enrollment, um, or have had. I don't know what it is now, but I know at one point they had an enrollment that was upwards of about forty thousand individuals. Um, they've had freshman classes upwards of two thousand, three thousand students, and so NC. A&T is just a big school. Central is a smaller, kind of like your Claflin-type HBCU, traditional-sized, but they play hard-nosed football. Uh, we had a, uh, a fat, frat brother from South Carolina State that transferred from there to Central and was a part of their championship-winning team a few years back. And So um, I know that they, they play hard-nosed, gritty football. Um, overall, the matchup seemed like it was going to be a little bit more imbalanced, but like you said, with – the second half turned it into a little bit more of a defensive struggle and A&T just having those dogs to be able to make the game just muddy. They, they, uh, I say A&T, excuse me, with Central having the dogs to, the, to make the game muddy where they were able to rush and keep the other team's offense off of the field. It just kind of ended up swinging into the way of the Central Eagles. And so shout out to them, man. It, it's definitely uh, interesting to see how they are going to um, move forward. Like I said, Davis even threw a touchdown pass, man. They had a, a trick play in the third quarter, which was actually the last uh, play where it was a flea flicker. They tossed it, excuse me, not a flea flicker, but they um, a lateral where they tossed it to the back and he had just been running over him all day and that allowed EJ Hicks to kind of slide out and go get that, get it ball for a 16 yard touchdown. So ultimately good game. Um, I hope A&T sucks the rest of the year. So state can thrash on them real quick. Or if they win all, all their games when they, when they come to Orangeburg, I still like to see that, that head bust, but 
Nonetheless, shout out to the Aggies and the Central Eagles as well. Now, this is going to take us to the point that you kind of alluded to and brought up earlier. Um, not so much in the A&T and Central game, but shout out to the Dukes, um, Dukes-Mayo Bowl for one, being one of the first bowl games that happens in the in the early season or before the season starts, as opposed to in the end. I think we'll see a trend of, because there is so much convolution of the bowl games in the end of the year, I think we'll see more of them start to try to move to the front to get that early access, that visibility to be isolated and get more eyes on their product and on their game. But uh, Can I we, add something real quick? I'm sure sorry thing. to cut you off. Uh, so what was the game... Last year, when the coach had all of the mayonnaise poured on his hat and all of that stuff, that was also the Duke's Mayo Bowls, but that was at the end of the season. That was not. I thought I was, was tripping, right? So nah. this is just the first year they've transitioned to that. Exactly. Yeah. No, that was uh, when okay. South Carolina won a uh, Mayo Bowl last year. Right. Right. But so, but it's still Duke sponsored, and this is just like you were saying. This is just their first year that they've transitioned. Absolutely. And I think they're one of only three bowl games this year. Um, last the last several years, especially pre COVID, there were upwards of like 60 bowl games. You had you have to be at least a six game, a six win team to even qualify for a bowl game in Division One football. And so everybody who got six wins is like, we're going to a bowl game because there were just that many like the new era pinstripe bowl and the Jimmy Kimmel bowl and the Taco Bell bowl and the. I ain't got nothing else to do, so I'm going to start me a bowl bowl. Like, there were so many, and there's such a saturation that as these teams, or not even just the teams, as these uh, corporate sponsors are looking to isolate themselves, it's the latest and the newest trend. It's like, hey, what if we had a bowl game at the front end? Because they thought about, like, again, HBCUs having these classics every year and, and showcases. People want to get excited about the start of football. It's just as they want to be able to celebrate the end of it as well. And so it's it's a good and strong and smart marketing strategy to move them to the front. And like I said, although there were only three this year, I fully anticipate that they'll have a lot more in the beginning and hopefully balance out the reward to allow the end of the year bowl games to be able to be a bit more of an accomplishment as opposed to just a um, participation trophy, so to say. So, yeah, aside from those bowls, there are some who go for the money. You look at South Carolina State, as I mentioned, who has a couple of them every year. Um, what are your thoughts and, and, and should HBCUs take the check and play these bigger schools in the beginning of the season? Uh, um, I'm a big proponent of all money, good money, but not to say that these games are corrupt or anything like that. I think the cons outweigh the pros. If, if you really sit down and kind of list them, um, you know, again, you, uh, you have the the possibility just because of the essence or the definition of chance. You have the possibility of coming away with a victory, but it's never a great possibility. Um, but then you run the risk of injuries and, um, of course, it, just the, the sheer, sheer embarrassment um, of not being competitive in some of these games or whatnot um, over getting that exposure, how, you know, is it a vibe where any exposure is great exposure for the for the university or for the college itself? You know, when presidents and vice presidents, what are their true goal out there as far as, you know, publicity with their schools? Um, I think just as 
it may not be as much money involved, but just as well as you can vie for a chance to play some of these bigger PWIs and established um, established organizations and programs, mm-hmm. you can start to make and build up rivalries within the HBCUs um, just from, you know, relationships and, and looking to uh, make some of these, you know, have some of these competitive games, something to look forward to rile up two groups of alumni from, uh, from HBCUs. Uh, and, you know, and then just continue to be creative with, with fundraising and stuff like that, as tough as it is, um, you know, walking away from a check that most of these people walk away from is very hard, but I'm just gonna, you know, at the, kind of stand in my stance. I don't, I'm not a, a proponent of those, of those games and, and the non-competitive games. It turns out to be a warm up and, and, you know, teams look down on, you know, they, they see that game on the calendar and they're like, okay, that's just a, a loose practice or whatnot, a, a dress up practice or whatever for us. So, um, you know, taking it away from HBCUs when, when games like the Appalachian state, Michigan game happened and and everything went down with that. You know, like I said, there's always a there's always a sliver of chance of one team coming out ready and and um motivated and ready to to play and and the other team that's favorited just taking it for granted, kind of in a Mike Tyson Buster Douglas type but that's a flash in the pan type of thing. So overall, I'm not I'm not the hugest of fans i'm not i'm not a big fan of of that in other words and then a lot of times these schools uh, (laughs) shout out to my hbcus man but y'all be mismanaging so i don't know how much of the check goes to the the president's new cadillac so you know what i'm not touching it i'm not touching that one but i will say this Five hundred and thirteen thousand four hundred and eighty-five dollars. That is the amount that Clemson University played South Carolina State in the last time that they played them. They paid that much to South Carolina State's athletic department for that game. In addition to half a million dollars, knowing the as you mentioned, there are some institutions, many unfortunately, uh, within the HBCU realms that mismanage funds, and as such. A shot of $500,000 or $300,000 or two hundred and fifty, how much ever, a shot of that much of money, that amount of money ensures that some young adult can get that education. It, it helps far greater than something of a legacy would contribute. Now, I'm not, that's not to say that I'm against the legacies of HBCUs, building these rivalries and playing one another and building up the culture within each other, but at the end of the day, like Prime said, why am I going to be locked into this culture, quote unquote, game? And we talked about it on a previous episode with him pulling out. Um, I forget which game it was, but it was one that Jackson State had played. But then he had opportunity to go someplace else. It's like we go play this classic and essentially we make about fifty thousand dollars. If I go over here and play this team right here, I'm going to make a million dollars for my school. Why am I going to come and pay this $50,000 and play a team that is not going to give me any competition and not any benefit other than the bands showing off at halftime and people being like, man, that show was good. And fans not even really showing up anyway for it 
versus the opportunity to make a million dollars. I'm that's one. Two, I mentioned it a little while ago. Darius Leonard became an all pro pro bowl linebacker based on what he was able to do and show before the nation at Clemson University. Now, granted, he was motivated. He had some extra fire in him based on how Clemson had did him and, and him not being able to play ball there like his brother had. But he got his money playing at Clemson University. You mentioned the App State game, 2007, September 1st. I will never forget that game. Michigan was ranked number five. App State was just little old, oh, here we come. Even though they're not in HBCU, um, App State went into the big house and shocked the world. I, I remember that feeling. Even more recently, when Howard University went out to UNLV, they were 45-point underdogs, bro. The largest upset in the modern college football history. 45-point underdogs. And they went in to UNLV and stunned the Rebels 43-40. to 40. Those games are legendary. Those individuals who have that opportunity to get out there and, and, and to put their pride, not even to mention, even in the smaller scales, it means a lot for like a Shaq, um, Shaq Davis to get out there and put on his skills. And, and, and even though, again, he only had two catches and 35 yards and a touchdown. But that was yet another thing, another point that he could add to his resume, to his film, to boost his value. There are a lot of these younger um, or smaller school teams and players that will never know what it is to play at an SEC school. They'll never know what that opportunity is to play before 70,000 people. And so to get that opportunity and to really be against some of the best in your field and your school gets paid for it. And now my coach in track used to have a mentality. We were a small school, of course, Claflin, but all through our non-conference, we did Penn Relays. We did South Carolina. We did Clemson. We went to FSU. We went to LSU. We ran and threw against the the biggest, strongest, and the fastest in the country. And his mentality was, if we run behind and throw behind the fastest and the strongest for long enough, by the time we get back to our competition, they're not going to be able to see us. And so in a lot of ways, I see these tuner games or these quote-unquote cupcake games as a tune-up for the bigger schools, yes, and they're paying for that opportunity, but it is also an experience for the younger squads uh, and for the smaller schools and the HBCUs as well. It gives them that that exposure and an, and, and an experience that they'll carry with them for the rest of their lives. I am absolutely a fan for it, although they may not be as competitive as some of us would like to see in many instances, because, again, we know that they're scheduled for years out. When you get teams that can start to grow and start to build and let, imagine what a JSU squad would look like if they were playing, I don't know, the Citadel this year. I don't even know that they would be an underdog in that instance. And, and so when you get an opportunity to have those built out ahead of time and then when you got to go pay somebody to take an L, that, that's legendary to me. And, and, and I am absolutely a proponent of it. I guess somebody's got to pay for a little baby at homecoming or whatever. I guess. But <laughs> at the end of the day, Grambling, Grambling was a program similar to like a JSU where they was ready and primed to play with the big boys. And if they played against a couple of them PWIs, that they will be favorited as well. So there's always going to be those standouts and stuff like that. But um, yeah, I mean, I don't, I'm, I just, I'm not making this no kind of undisputed or, or first take at the big letters <laughs> and stuff like that at all, because 
It is I don't even care is, enough. <laughs> like at the end of the day, at the end of the day, Claflin doesn't have a football team. So listen, I point really blank in the period. Care. However, I gotta care. That's boy. But you know, great points were made. Like I said, somebody's got to be able to pay for these homecoming shows because these artists are getting bigger and bigger with their budgets. So mm-hmm. I, I guess you know what I mean. Howard's homecoming's around the corner. Shout out to Howard, you. Without further ado, let's move forward into big deal, no thing. That's a big deal. Nah, that ain't no thing. You know the segment. We tell you some headlines and tell you whether or not it's a big deal or a no thing. And shout out to ESPN for stealing our stuff, too. First up, the big finish in LSU versus FSU. Big deal or no thing? Um, I'm inclined to say no thing, man. Uh, nah, that ain't no I'll thing. I'll stay with that. Yep. I'm going to go the other way. I'm going to say a big deal. That's a big deal. Why you say? Um, And granted, I know exactly what LSU is supposed to do and this and that. Uh, the ACC, they're not no slouches. Um, and then, you know, Florida State's program is what it is. But these first weekends, this is what it's all about on these first couple of weekends where it's unpredictable football, um, you know, outside of what we were just talking about with the gimme games. It's got to be outcomes, you know, that you 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 don't expect and stuff. Uh, I again, I said I was leaning toward no thing is because the way that that game finished out, um, and and how it finished. But at the end of the day, um, you know, not executing certain plays and stuff like that, and freezing up in the moment, or um, again, just the way that the game ended, uh, and you can elaborate on that. It builds character and and like so you know you, you you do things like that you see exactly who you got riding for you and who's who's on you know who's got your back uh you see how the adjustments that'll be made and uh i don't want to be prisoners of the moment with the first weekend of football so um it would have been great for lsu to secure that w but it's 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 Florida State child's playing, so it was just ended up a great game. <laughs> so I, I said it was a big deal simply exclusively because of the end of the game. Um, it was a hard-fought battle back and forth. FSU won the game 24-23 at the last second on a, a blocked extra kick. Um, LSU had stormed down the field uh, and, and went and executed it. They did what they were supposed to do, and they scored with an opportunity to go ahead and, and, and tie the game up and hopefully take it into overtime. And I think everybody, everybody was looking forward to that overtime, like I said, because it was just a good game. They were they were going back and forth. It was Brian Kelly's first game, and it was just a, a good, hard-nosed game. I'm, I'm an SEC fan. I don't make any, um, you know, any qualms about it. I, I'm definitely a fan of the SEC. And so I, I love to see them win at all costs. <laughs> you, know, you know what I mean? So... To watch this one at the end with a blocked kick, an extra point, man, it's like, yo, come on, bro. That just felt like it was just robbery. But ultimately, it was a big deal because it sets up the remainder of the season to, I don't want to say hot seat because it's his first year, but it sets up that Brian Kelly's got to prove himself. The SEC is the toughest conference in college football. And Anthony Davis has listened to the show, and every time I say that, he sends me the same text. Really? Because <laughs> he's a Wisconsin man. Uh, shout out to our frat brother, Anthony Davis, uh, Spring Otubra, or Fall Otubra, pardon me, uh, who was the, is actually still holds the record for the uh, rushing yards, uh, most rushing yards by a freshman in Wisconsin history. And we know that's running back you. So 
Shout out to um, Anthony. But yeah, no, the SEC is just the best conference in college football. They've got eight, and if this were two years from now, it would be nine teams in the top 25, including Florida after their victory this weekend, shooting all the way up from unranked to number 13, bro. And so, like, knowing what LSU has for the remainder of their season, it, it just the outcome of this game is, is going to be felt through the remainder of the season, even for FSU, knowing the slate that they have in the ACC and trying to bring some notoriety to that conference with Clemson, um, although they're good. And, you know, we'll talk about them in just a second as well. Um, the ACC just needs more teams. And so for this this to be able to be a victory for not just Florida State, but for their conference, and again, a loss not just for LSU, but for their conference, I think it's going to have some ramifications throughout the remainder of the year. That's why you schedule big games in week one. That's why that's why we played the game like I, 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 I believe it was a big deal. So moving forward, Kayshawn Boot scrubs LSU content from social media after loss. So for those of you who may not know, Kayshawn Butte is the uh, star receiver out in LSU. And uh, after their loss, he was feeling some kind of way in his feelings and his and, and as young young men and women of this generation tend to do. They react and he scrubbed his social media took everything that had to do with lsu off of his social media so big deal or no thing big deal that's a big deal i'm going the other way nah that ain't no thing why you say um just uh again the 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 era that we're in the kyler murray moves that all these young guys are taking is just um you know, you're supposed to be a leader on that team and stuff like that. It's the wrong message to send to the rest of your teammates and everything like that, especially with things with like the transfer portal and, and stuff like that. It's just not a good, it's not a good way to kind of build any kind of camaraderie or, or chemistry with your team. Um, I, I, although I agree with that point, I think I was looking at it from a larger scale. It's not a thing. He is um, integral in that team. And although we know that the, with the, transfer rules being what they are we might see him in a usc jersey next week <laughs> um i think that it's not a deal ultimately because of like i said his relationship with brian kelly their first year head coach um who made a quote this week already um after the game saying quote he's the least guy that i'm concerned about on our offense uh, he himself didn't have a great game he only caught two of the six targets for about 20 yards um, in the game He's, he's in his feelings. They're sensitive sometimes. And so for me, yeah, he was lashing out and he, oh, I'm over it. He'll be back in pads at practice today if he wasn't already there. Um, and he'll he'll be suited up alongside his teammates. Um, and they realized that all of them do that same mess. So for me, it wasn't a big deal. Next up, Twitter explodes as Cade Klubnik scores his first Clemson touchdown. Now, Clay Kubnick is the highly touted five-star quarterback out there in Clemson who looked really good, (laughs) if I'm keeping it a buck, in his late uh, mop-up duty in his only series of the game. So big deal or no thing with Twitter exploding over uh, Cade Kubnick. No thing. Nah, that ain't no thing. Mm, I'm going the other way. Let me find That's out. That's a we big just, deal. We, te- we got a seesaw on today. Why you say it's no thing? It's the nature of Twitter at the end of the day. Um, this kid, you know, what he's slated to do and stuff like that throughout his college career, this is going to be the first of 
plenty, you know, highlights and things like that. And this is, you know, again, this is the the new media, if you will, no Draymond Green intended, but um, this is how stuff is going to get out. Uh, last week, LM, L-M-A-O-O-O-O-O-O-O was trending on Twitter. So <laughs> I don't put any kind of stock into that. So I am only, and I said it's a big deal, and the only reason I put stock into it is because not so much that it was Twitter that was going nuts, but that all the fans and that everybody was going nuts over this. Um, DJ Ungalalave, uh, and I messed it up, but everybody does. Um, Shout out, Benedict. <laughs> you ain't got the answers, man. You ain't got the answers. I, you ain't got the answers. You ain't got the answers, Sway. Stupid. I'm not going to let you get the chance. Meanwhile, <laughs> so DJ has left much to be desired. Um, when he came in last season after Trevor Lawrence, it was like, okay, on to the next great Clemson quarterback, except this quarterback that Clemson isn't that great. Uh, I know that he put in a lot of work in the offseason. He was supposed to be better this year, and he he started off not better, although he did clean it up in the second half and they started looking a bit more like Clemson. We've seen this movie before, and not just in college football, but at Clemson in uh, previous years, it was Kelly Bryant, who was a good quarterback for the Tigers, who came in, was um, just playing and he was playing good. And they had Trevor Lawrence sitting on the bench as a freshman. And Trevor was a five star recruit and they knew everything that he was going to be. And they were excited about it. I'm not even going to make it about the older oh, black quarterback and the white quarterback. Trevor was a better quarterback. I did not think that he was going to be that much better than Kelly Bryant, but they gave Gave him some opportunities uh, after about week three just to kind of see. And he just took control and became Trevor Lawrence. Um, Kelly ended up transferring later on that season. And that was the rest of it. And as his latest reported, I think he was the quarterback for the zappers of the fan controlled football league. Um, and so I very much see that same thing playing out here. I posted something on social media <laughs> DJ was a member of the uh, Dr. Pepper commercial at the beginning of last season where it well, they were out in Fansville and it, um, it pans over showing it this the transfer portal and here he comes and appears and they're like yo you're transferring here he was like nah I'm just looking for some Dr. Pepper oh well you can have some of mine nah I'm good and he just dumps back into the portal I'm about to say it like I'm thinking Dr. Pepper might be like the Simpsons now. They out here predicting the truth because after what I saw from Cade, there and, and I and I like DJ. I wanted him to succeed, but he is not the quarterback that this young man is. The poise, the pocket presence, the intuition, the arm strength, the velocity, the playmaking ability, the speed out of the pocket. This kid is a five-star, and he earned every one of them stars. I'm sure if they could have a sixth for this guy. He would have had it. And so I whole I wholeheartedly anticipate that in true Clemson fashion, they may give him, although he's earned the right to be the starter and he's done the things necessary, they're going to quickly find that in order to be competitive and, and to be able to be the Clemson that they want to be and and, and and raise back to the national promise prominence prominence to uphold to that number four ranking, because they already dropped in a win from four to five. 
if they're looking to be in the considerations and the conversations for the top teams in the league and definitely to make the playoff, um, and I'm pretty sure I think this year, if this year's not the last, I know next year should be of the four teams before they expand to 12. If they're looking to continue on and make it to the top four, they're going to need Klubnik at the quarterback position. So don't be surprised if week four, he, they give him maybe one, two more starts, and then by three or four, Cade is the starting quarterback and DJ's transferring out of Clemson. Yeah. <laughs> Shout out to Kane. So last but not least, South Carolina uh, coach Don Staley cancels the home and home series with BU, BYU's uh, women basketball team over the racial incident at the volleyball game. Big deal or no thing? Big deal. That's a big deal. I also say big deal. That's a big deal. For those of you who may have missed it, at a uh, one of the Duke volleyball players when they were playing BYU was apparently um, thrusted with some racial comments and or derogatory terms. Um, it led to this. There's this big investigation. Um, there are those who say that that's not something that is. Although it's a Mormon school, that's not something that's this commonplace or uncommon and. Don Staley said she just did not want to put her players in the position to have to deal with that. Although it was a fan and the institution has said that they are taking the steps to um, ban the fan and discipline them. Um, she decided, she said it was a very selfish decision on her own. She just did not want to subject her players to that and canceled the series. They were supposed to open the se- open this season against the Gamecocks in Columbia. And then in turn, the Gamecocks would go to BYU next year. Um, but you say it's a big deal. Why do you say um, just simply again, after explaining that, you gotta understand down in Charleston, we have a term that we um use. Um, shout out to Dr. Buford and stuff. Uh, but it's it's called Lev, short for leverage, but um, we've kind of co opted that term and made it our own down there in Charleston. And then uh, Kanye West always also had a song, uh, no one man should have all that power. And in this instance, you know, one woman does have all that power. So shout out to Don Staley uh, using her her position, her prominence, her stature, her lev, if you will, for good. Uh, and making the decision that she made, being able to stand on it. So a lot of times that outside of the, the basketball court, outside of the X's and O's and stuff that she's teaching these young women, that are coming up, there's a lot of uh, intangible things of why people choose to come and play with Don Staley, whether they're black or white. So I'm sure mm-hmm. even the, the white um, young women that are on, on her team appreciate her decision-making in, in this situation and, and things like that. Um, at the end of the day, she she's she's flexing and showing exactly how powerful she is. Um, and in the, the powerhouse that, uh, South Carolina is in women's basketball. You're not going to, um, you're not going to, you know, you're going to respect, you're going to respect us. Are we going to force you as well to show some respect in, in uh, the culture and, in, in, you know, the, uh, the industry that is women's college basketball There's a large percentage of the, of those young ladies that are uh, black, of course. And um, that stuff is not tolerable. So just salute to Don Staley. Another, another reason to, to rock with her and to root for it. I agree that one way or another, this is a big deal. Um, 
I went back and forth about this when I first heard it because my instincts were cool. But bye, don't let them, you know, it is what it is. They show it. As I did more research, because it was a fan, I don't know that punishing the basketball team felt appropriate. Um, there were discussions in um, a group that I'm in on Facebook, and I don't even know if it was a group or if I just saw it under the post announcing that. And, of course, your racists had their stances and, and the biases and all the things of that nature. But one one gentleman made a, 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 a smart remark that kind of resonated with me. She did what she felt was the best thing for her team. And ultimately, that's her only obligation. Um, the athletic director, Ray Tanner, supported her decision. But ultimately, whatever she decided, I'm so sure he would have supported her decision because it's a legend. She's a Hall of Famer, two-time national championship winning team, defending champions for that matter. Um, I think he would have supported her no matter what. Again, I did go back and forth because it felt like is punishing the basketball team and the fans of BU, BYU that would have had the opportunity to see the Gamecocks and watch their team lose to them, um, is punishing them enough or is it too much to punish the basketball players as well the coaches as well um to allow her team not to have that opportunity to tune up and warm up but ultimately i i i rested on the fact that she is going to do what she feels is the best thing for her team and when it comes down to that she gets zero arguments from me i don't have a problem with any decision that she makes as long as it's with that in mind um keep doing your thing coach um coach daly you are an amazing coach and Go get us another chip, man. Shout out to you. Well, that's going to do it for Big Deal No Thing and this episode. Bro, anything you want to holler at the people before we get out of here, man? Yeah, um, y'all make sure that y'all hit uh, Big Cliff up on myself on Carolina Sports Talk Back or on Big Cliff's email or just texting one of us if you want to join me. Um, I know I don't normally put invites out there, but if you want to join me in this Cougar Corral, uh, that I got invited to with Zach Wilson and Michael Jordan Jr. Um, we're all going to kind of get together. Dumb, Larsa, you know, the whole gang. So if y'all are down to playoffs, for some Cougars. And, playoffs? You kidding me? Um, yeah, going hunting for some Cougars. Y'all just let me know and I'll tell Michael Michael Jordan's son and um, and Zach Wilson to go ahead and make room on the on the party bus. Stupid. Well, and on that note, that's going to do it for another episode of Carolina Sports Talk. It's your man, Big Cliff. As always, thank you for tuning in on your favorite podcast app. Next time, tell your smart speaker, play Carolina Sports Talk. You can hit us up on Facebook and Instagram at Carolina Sports Talk. Or to be a part of the show, email us, cliff at carolinasportstalk.net. And of course, you can hit us up on the Facebook group, Carolina Sports Talk Talks Back. Until next week, y'all be safe out there. Peace.
Over.